Hello, my name is Brian Powell. I'm the host of Bristol Myers Squibb's Black Organization for Leadership Development podcast series, Bold Innovators. This is an open conversation with bold community members and allies throughout BMS that are true leaders in and out of the office who stands with our mission to foster an inclusive environment that values the contributions of Black employees equally with others. This season, we're focusing on a new Bristol-Myers Squibb core value. Last season, our focus was on innovation. This season, we'll be focusing on passion and how that has driven our guests throughout their careers. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Rondu Vincent, Executive Director, Global Supplier Diversity and Sustainability. With over 20 plus years of experience, Rondu leads a multi-award winning program that is responsible for internal and external supplier diversity and small business programs, community outreach, and strategic alignment with the company's sustainability goals, including specific standards for suppliers regarding social responsibility, environmental stewardship, ethical practices, and governance. Rondu serves on several boards, including the Congressional Caucus Foundation, National Veterans-Owned Business Association, and the New York, New Jersey Minority Supplier Development Council. Rondu is also a proud graduate of Rutgers University. But instead of me talking about Rondu, let me allow Rondu to talk about himself. Hey, Rondu, welcome to the program today. Brother Bryant, how are you? <laughs> it's a pleasure, a pleasure to be here and looking forward to our discussion. Oh, me too, Rondu. Again, I've been talking to a lot of people when doing this podcast, and a lot of people nominated you or said that you'd be a great person on the podcast. So it's great to have you on the program today. Well, you know, I need, need to rise to the occasion and live up to all that hype. So, uh, you know, let's get into it. All right, let's get started. Let's get started. <laughs> but before we learn more about your story and your own words, we like to start our podcast by asking our guests the bold 10 questions. And these are 10 random questions that we ask our guests to get a very insightful view of who they are in a very fun and interesting way. So are you ready for the bold 10 questions? Well, uh, sounds like a plan, my friend. All right, let's get started. Question number one, what problem are you currently grappling with? Uh, the, the problem we're currently grappling with is uh, around food insecurity and the lack of access to healthy foods in, in minority communities. And it's one of the things that we've been addressing or attempting to address in, in our small footprint of, in, in my team in communities of color um, particularly. So that's that's top of mind. And that's you know something we were just tackling with last week. Question number two, where do you get your news? Uh, so I get my news. I, I, I would be a you know a millennial and say you know Instagram or something like that, but uh, you know I don't think I qualify at this uh, ripe age here. But uh, so I get my news typically from the, the New York Times. I'm a New York Times guy, being a, a you know born and bred in New York, so that's a primary. I'm New York Times and a little bit of Twitter, so I'm showing a little bit my millennial side. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Next question. What's the coolest animal you've seen in the wild? Coolest animal would be a springbok in South Africa. What's a springbok? I never heard of that before. It it it, it I I'm it looks like something in the in between a kangaroo and a gazelle, to be honest with you. Very fast uh, uh, running in the wild, but I've seen that uh, in a safari in the, uh, in, the, in, the uh, in South Africa. Oh, fascinating. Next question. What is your favorite website? Uh, favorite website, and uh, this is going to sound 
very, very self-serving, but I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. So DallasCowboys.com. Oh. <laughs> and in this part of the, the, the country, in this state, particularly where we are, that's kind of blasphemous. But uh, but Dallas Cowboys <laughs> <laughs> for right now, because it's football season. I, coming from a man from New Jersey, uh, and also I'm an Eagles fan, I might be a rough conversation a little bit oh. later, but I'll give, I'll give you a pass on that one. We're, we're right behind. You can't wait yeah. to play you. Not too far one game behind. We'll see. We'll see. Sure. Question number five. What movie quote do you use on a regular basis? Let me see. That's a that's a tough one. Um, let me pivot because there is a quote by and I don't know which movie he got it from, but it's a quote from a friend that quotes a movie that no is a full sentence. Mm, that's a good one. That's a good one. Next question. What TV show character would be most fun to change places with for a week? Uh, you know what? This is this is going to show my age as well, but quite frankly, it would have been Martin Lawrence. You know, I mean, <laughs> it, it just was a was a a show at the time. You know, you know, showing black culture in Detroit comedy, and and he got to really, you know, you know, crack jokes on his friends a lot, which is something I enjoy doing with my friends. So it was a, that's probably who I would have been with. Love that show. I love, love that show. How do you make yourself sleep when you can't sleep at night? So, uh, you know, and that's a very good question because it's so relevant to this day. I, I've, I've always had a, a, a issue sleeping because I'm, my, my brain is always racing. I'm always thinking about, you know, work, solving a problem or something. But recently, through my executive coach, I got into meditating. And mm. uh, and quite frankly, um, I do a lot of sleep meditations. Uh, even when I break sleep and wake up in the middle of the night, you know, I turn on a 10, 15 uh, uh, minute med- med- meditation and and that gets me right back to where I need to be. So quite frankly, and, you know, as of the, the this year, in 2022, it's been meditation. Oh, that, that's a good way of getting back to sleep. I never heard of that, but I might even need to start taking that pretty soon. Oh, it's pretty, pretty good, my friend. Uh. What is your happiest career moment? Happiest career moment. Um, I'm, I'm going to take it from uh, from from early on, and 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 it'll be brief. But it was really landing the role in supplier diversity um, because you realize, and I realized at the time, that I was able to marry my procurement uh, skills and 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 background with economic empowerment of minority communities and. And and it was just a perfect match and a proud moment to say, I can help change some of the things that I saw growing up that were negative and try to bring some levity and some parity to them. So it, it was really when I got into the role of, of a supply diversity practitioner. That's good to hear. And I look forward to hearing more about that story later in the podcast. Second to last question, what is your favorite hobby? Favorite hobby is golfing and and if you see me golf you probably will laugh and say I'm using that term loosely but um <laughs> golfing is is my favorite hobby and you know I mean I would even be golfing in this weather right now in this rain um if I didn't have so much work to do oh that's intense because it's like hurricane weather out there so yes you. indeed you know <laughs> hey I have an excuse because the elements at that point so it's all good works out there you go <laughs> your handicap be a lot less more you know the reason why exactly and last question, who do you wish you could get back in contact with? Uh, you know, there's a, a gentleman by the name of, of Greg Butler, and he's since retired. But 
early on in my career, you know, he saw a lot in me and he allowed me to 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 uh, to be in rooms um, with a lot more seasoned individuals. And I was just starting out in my career very early on. But he put me in those rooms to really, you know, show me what um, what executives look like, executive presence. But he also said, you have it. Don't let the age fool you. I invited you to the table and I invited you for a reason. And just make sure you earn and, and make sure you, um, uh, uh, you you own it and, and, and give a sense of belonging. So uh, Greg Butler is who I would probably, you know, just get back in contact. He since retired and we lost touch um, once I moved to other companies. But uh, but that's who I would probably reach back out to. Always great to have a mentor like that and then put you in the rooms that you didn't get to as of yet, but allow you to get exposed to those particular people. So that's a great person to hopefully get in contact with one day. Absolutely. Well, Ron Duno, thank you for answering the full 10 questions. And we got to get together for a Cowboys-Eagles game. We'll see how that game goes. Oh, man. I mean, we're colleagues. I don't want to have to <laughs> yell at you. You yell at me. You know, have to come back to work and sing Kumbaya. But all gotta good. We got to keep it simple. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Since we know a little bit more about you with the bold 10 questions, it'd be great to get to know your story. So plainly speaking, tell us your story. Yeah, for sure. You know, and, and uh, you know, my, my story is in, in, a, in a summary and I'll go back and, and, and detail it. But, you know, I like to say that I went from the hood to the boardroom and and there's a lot of things, a lot of, you know, trials and tribulations, a lot of great things that happened along the way, a lot of bad things. Right. But. You know, I grew up partly between Queens and and New, and New Jersey, and uh, and it, it was bad times, right? There was a lot of you know homelessness and 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 unemployment and and, and drugs, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I realized early on that I had a choice to make, and that was to panic or persevere. And that was really mm -hmm. um, that that got me into the mindset of of aligning myself with individuals uh, that were more progressive. And quite frankly, over the years, you know, you lose a lot of friends because if they're going left and I need to be going right, you know, best believe I'm going to, you know, make my voice known and go right. So, uh, so, so I saw a lot of that, um, you know, uh, two, uh, two uh, uh, households I lived in, one between my dad and, and, you know, they were divorced and separated and the other between my moms. And, uh, and again, you know, those things, I wouldn't change it uh, for the world because it taught me a lot of resiliency, um, but it taught me that I can, you know, rise and and elevate above those circumstances. And that leads me to the career that I chose when I got into, to, uh, into procurement, um, had no clue what procurement was, uh, kind of landed on me. And, uh, but I was also always a good stern negotiator, right? When you're mm -hmm. under the elements of, of being, you know, in, in the hood, you know, you had to negotiate for what you have, you know, take that mm -hmm. dollar to the bodega and make <laughs> sure you walk out of there with a hoagie, uh, a chips, a sandwich for that that school bus trip. <laughs> uh, so I, I credit that upbringing to to making me a, a a shrewd negotiator, but it also led me to to the, the the work that I'm in now, the path I I've chosen to not only marry the procurement skills with with being a servant leader, um, but doing it in a fashion that that elevates the the the, the black story, the minority story, um, the underrepresented story in a in a way. And with an organization like Bristol Myers Squibb that 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 celebrates and appreciates those differences and allows me the resources to go out and, and fight the fight and create change. So 
um, that that's where we are today. I'm, I'm loving what we get to do. I'm loving the lives that we get to impact and change on a daily basis and do it amongst colleagues that believe in the mission. You know, I think that is probably one of the biggest things that I can say when I joined Bristol Myers Squibb is, is the colleagues that, that want to lend a hand and that really believe in change. Thanks, my dude, for telling us your story. And I, the statement you meant earlier, either panic or persevering, really, you know, was a, impactful for me because I feel like I went through that as well in my life. Sometimes I either I have to do what needs to be done or I need to kind of overcome that. So can you tell me about a time which you had to have that crucial thought of panicking or persevering and how you're able to persevere? Oh, absolutely. And I think when 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 I say panic or persevere, and I tell my team this all the time, I think we can dwell in a place of shock when we hear some news or hear a daunting task or 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 see something of circumstance um and we can we can end up with our mind going into a place where it, it feels like you can't overcome it and i tell my team and i say that to my team and myself is that all right let, let, the shock is there right now do we we panic and 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 let it fester or do we persevere because we know we have a a, a bigger role to play and impact to to to, to create so I think, you know, earlier in my, in my career, when I was trying to figure out how hard do I want to go in, in supplier diversity, you'll get some folks that are very superficial and surface with it because they like the perks that come along with the job, the traveling, et cetera. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I had to make a, make a statement to say, I am fighting for something that's bigger than me, for the people that I had to walk out of my projects and see daily. And I had to make a make a, a, a draw a line in the sand and 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 tell an employer that if you want surface, I am not your guy. I know you want me to cut budgets, you want me to do some things that get you on the scoreboard for the headlines. But if you're not doing it with the intentionality and purpose, again, I'm not that person for you. Mm -hmm. And it was a it was it was you know middle of my career. I can I guess I can say, and that was a, a moment where I had to say. I'm probably going to be fired tomorrow because I put it to some higher ups, very blunt and plain. And they came back and said, listen, you know, we appreciate where you're coming from. And quite frankly, as we now we think about it, that's the kind of passion we want to have in this enterprise, in this organization. Right. And I say that because I, I panicked big time, hmm. but I knew I had to persevere for my people for the underserved, for the for the underrepresented, for the marginalized. And I say to this day, my goal is to talk myself out of a job. <laughs> because the day the day that they no longer need somebody in supplier diversity on that half of the job is the day that I think we've gotten to a a, a balance point and it becomes a part of the culture across the land, not just here at Bristol Myers Squibb, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in the environment with other corporations and society in general. We have made our mark. Um, we're being valued more. Um, we're creating jobs. We're getting contracts at a at a better 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 rate and clip. Um, so my goal is to talk myself out of a job. And I will also say this, and this may be bold, and maybe my uh, my boss will forgive me for when I say this. It's about for me put myself out there to challenge the status quo. So if that means I'm on the hot seat a couple times for making a decision that I didn't ask to, 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 to make ahead of time, mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Because as long as we are being comfortable 
I don't think we're challenging the status quo enough. As long as I'm worrying about me having a job tomorrow, I can fall into a place of complacency and just being good enough. Mm-hmm. To me, that's not good enough. I have better expectations of myself, and I know there's there's a community out there waiting for people to be more bold. So, um, hey, I like to put myself on the hot seat a couple times a year and keep the fire going. <laughs> it, that's how real change happens. You have to like test the boundaries and overcome those boundaries. And just following that, what is the biggest challenge in your perspective experience of like changing that culture? I know Bristol Myers Squibb, we are in the forefront of trying to change it, but from your experience, how come other companies can't? embolden that culture yeah I, I think um you know and we were literally just talking about this uh last week and 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 i think there's a couple things that happen within corporations and and within society one is that they lack the intentionality not until there's a big headline a big movement you think about george floyd where people are being very reactionary mm-hmm. um do they make commitments or do they make uh, bold statements and show that they care in whatever that looks like for them. I think that's the wrong way to be looking at this, right? Because mm-hmm. there's things that happen, like George Floyd, that happen regularly that don't All make right. the headlines. I also think there's a lack of consistency. So if you're spiking around an event like, uh, you know, these 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 injustices with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, et cetera, you're spiking. When the noise dies down, you're going back into your shell and saying, hey, let's back off. The funding is going to be reduced or guys, we don't have to put out any more statements around this because the media stopped talking about it. But mm-hmm. just think about this. If you are able to maintain a level of consistency, you'll be able to chip away at those things because you're not playing for the spike in the headline. You're paying, playing for uh, playing for a consistent change. So I All think right. it's a lack of intentionality. Um, it's a lack of genuineness. I would even go both to say it's a, a lack of education in some some ways um, for folks that don't get the fight and the struggle because we've been waving the flag of injustice for a long time. Mm-hmm. Not until they see that eight minutes and 46 seconds on TV where it's like, oh, this is what you guys have been hollering about. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And then I say the consistency piece as well, because we need to be consistent with what we do and not playing for the headline and the spike in the news and being reactionary to things. Oh, I can't agree with that more. You you show up when noise happens and kind of go away afterwards. Again, you're not being consistent and things will kind of fall through. So that makes complete sense. And I think you touched on it already that you're very passionate about this subject. And obviously we bring people onto the podcast to speak about their passions and how they've able to articulate that throughout their careers. So again, Bondu, what are you boldly passionate about? So like a famous man of few words have said, I'm about that action, boss. And that's Marshawn Lynch. And and that's that's where I'm about. So what I'm boldly passionate about is leveraging the platform that I'm afforded in changing lives. And I think at the end of the day, there's um, several places where we can have impact. The young adults, you know, and making sure that they understand, you know, obviously the right from wrong, making wise choices, um, smart choices, not following the crowd per se, when the crowd is doing uh, unsavory things. So we need to get to that that younger population. I'm all, I'm all about the economic empowerment and I'm a passionate advocate about uh, economic empowerment because if you look at the social determinants of health, um, you know, economics being one of them, access to education and information being another, um, access to, to food period, let alone healthy foods, 
these are things that economics, quite frankly, can solve. It's not the the call to solve for everything, but it'll get you off uh, of thinking about those things and worrying about them if you have them and you can focus on more pressing things that you need to get done in your life. So I think, you know, making sure that we are empowering, whether it's minority business owners, young entrepreneurs, individuals that are in, uh, uh, you know, college to make these choices, to get their voice heard, and to make sure that we are all in some way, shape, or form giving back. Because again, if we are being consistent amongst each other as well, that is a change and a recipe for success. There's often times where, you know, our brothers and sisters get into roles <clears throat> and get into positions and don't reach back to pull up. And mm -hmm. that is a bad place for us to be because if we're asking for others to be allies, we need to be doing that same thing in our community. And I think that that's one of the things that I'm very passionate about is, is spreading that mission, doing my part around economic development that will help address some of the social determinants of health. Because at, at the end of the day, what we do here at Bristol Myers Squibb, our medicines are for everyone. Mm, exactly. And glad you mentioned that part as well. So can you tell me of an example of how you reached back and paid it forward or what type of impact have you made within Bristol Myers Squibb for that passion? 100%. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to pause on the obvious economic empowerment because I think, you know, we, we've, we've proven that we have a robust um, and bountiful supplier diversity program and, and we have contracts with, you know, multi-billion dollar black women-owned businesses. We, we've started leveraging our program and taking it internationally, right? And that's where we get into the dollars and cents. Where I will say that where we've made an impact um, within the supply diversity world is back in 2016 when we started what we call our power to impact program. Mm -hmm. And when I look at supply diversity programs across bigger brands than BMS, we're the only ones that took it from a procurement supply diversity standpoint point and started doing community impact events. And we've tackled everything from education in urban schools, you know, reading and literacy to health screenings, um, for homeless individuals or people that are unhoused or in, in, in areas where they're economically distressed, um, you know, health education around the LGBT community. Our program tackles a lot of issues with a lot of different di diverse demographics and creating that program allows us to consistently give back. And we've been doing multiple events, cities across the United States since 2016 even during the pandemic, where we could have just, you know, said, hey, listen, we, you know, there's no in-person. We did things virtually to make sure that even during those challenging times, we were able to reach back into communities and provide that guidance, provide information, um, making sure that we're thinking healthy and thinking about our health as, uh, as people of color and minorities. So that program is probably the proudest moment because, as I mentioned before, it allows us to, to have a level of consistency in what we do and where we give back. And it brings more diverse populations in the tent because we don't just do it for people of color, minorities, veterans, LGBT community, as I mentioned, individuals with disabilities. All of these are marginalized, underrepresented communities that we wanna make sure we give voice to and do something positive for. In fact, we were in DC last week with the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation and we did health screenings, haircuts, chair massages, hot meals served there, um, gave away 250 bags of groceries to underserved and underrepresented uh, households in the D.C. area. Again, oh, wow. giving back 
in that way, we know it's a small piece of the pie, right? There's more to do. But if we don't start somewhere, we'll be having this conversation in perpetuity, quite frankly. Oh, wow. I've I, I heard about the Black Hawks event last week, but I didn't know the, the nuances of it as well. I guess, what's the biggest impact that you see that that program had in, in the community and continue that consistency? Now you're going to get me in my feelings, brother, here. So <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me just say, this is going to sound so, uh, um, you know, so, uh, I guess, generic. But what it what the impact for me is right because we're giving food away in the moment you know we're, we're we're giving dignity back by giving you a fresh haircut and by the way as a black man when i grew up if i had ten dollars in my pocket and i got a haircut that ten dollars gone but i walked out the barbershop fresh and i felt like a million bucks real fresh i get real that. fresh <laughs> so we were able to give shaves and haircuts last week the biggest thing it showed and the impact that i got and even by sitting down talking with individuals that were, were homeless living in Tin City is that they we showed that we cared. There's big corporations, big executives that came out to give their time and it made them feel human. It made them feel a part of the society, part of the conversation. They sat at a table and got served hot breakfast by BMS and CBC uh, volunteers, executives, LT members of BMS served hot meals with their hands to this underserved population. That is a sense of dignity and pride and respect that they were able to share, even if it was for a moment. And that's what I was hearing from the folks when I was sitting down talking to them is that, hey, you guys, I know you guys don't have to be here. You know, it's cold out and, and you know, but but the fact that you're here and, and, and I don't have to get up from my seat, you're serving me like I'm in a restaurant. Those things resonate and quite frankly are some of the reasons why we do what we do. That's fascinating because just hearing that story, it shows that we are actually in the community and kind of doing good. And it's funny, we didn't, didn't, doesn't really get promoted a lot in BMS. That's something that we should do more often, in your opinion, or is there ways we can kind of let the whole organization know and maybe internally as well as externally all these things that we're doing to be a part of these communities? Yeah, you know, I, I struggle with this part of it for, for, I mean, since 2016, quite frankly, and even with the Supply Diversity Program. Because we're so in the trenches doing the work, making the lift happen, that we often come back and say, hey, you know, we did good work there. We'll 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 high five each other and, and be proud in the moment. Mm. But we don't do enough to promote it to inspire uh, and expand the program. I think out of last week, we're starting to do that. I think you're gonna start seeing some Yammer posts about it. I think, you know, uh, there's some LinkedIn posts that are already going out by some of the participants. We do need to get better at promoting it, not to wave the flag to say, look at this good stuff we did. Right, right. But to inspire others internally and externally, because it takes a village, as we all know, to do this impactful purpose work. And as long as we're doing it in silos, we're not going to reach a broader tent. We want to reach a broader tent of individuals. So um, I agree. We need to make sure that we're doing it. Hopefully this podcast, when folks are hearing about it, yeah. they can reach out to us and feel like how they can get involved and see how they can get involved you know, some of the, the, the more internal uh, communications and working with corporate affairs to make sure that we're publicizing this stuff outside of, of the BMS walls so that we get more corporations and more individuals in this world to, to do more and do good. 
Yeah, anything we can do for this podcast to let everyone know that all the great work you guys are doing, the the, the better off we all can be. So though, thanks for that, Rodu. And it's a, a little follow-up question. I kind of want to go back to your story a little bit and kind of learn, how did you really come to Bristol-Myers Squibb and out of all the companies you could have went to, why was Bristol-Myers Squibb a place you want to see and set your career? You know, um, I often say, I don't chase the dollars and cents necessarily. And I guess I have a family I need to feed, obviously. But, <laughs> but, but you know, I, I don't chase and take jobs for the, for the dollars. I chase it for leadership, number one, um, commitment, intentionality, and uh, being a servant to the community. So when I was at a, another big pharma company before coming here, um, you know, I've had conversations with a great individual who ultimately recruited me here, Farron Melton, and she was very intentional. She was very thoughtful, and our conversations really went that way. Now, I was at a great uh, opportunity in New York City, which I love working there, and for me to come to the Burbs, number one, that was a big sell. So you know I was yeah. chasing something that was bigger than myself <laughs> to, to go from New York to, to the Princeton area. But I did it because there was words she said, you're the, you're the SME. You're one of the best in this game that does this. And you do it from a place of intentionality, from presence, leadership. You're a leader of, of, of great teams that will do the work. I'm going to give you the air cover but I want you to be able to drive the strategy and drive the boat. And literally, I got here in December of 2014. That fall, I was in front of Giovanni and, and, and CEO talking about a program that I helped bring up in that oh, short wow. amount of time I was there. Now, if that's not putting your money where your mouth is to take a new recruit that just been in BMS less than a year putting them in front of the CEO, giving me my 30 minutes uh, to really talk about a program that, that I'm passionate about, that I'm able to lift, that's impacting lives, that really showed that she cared, she was real and intentional, but it also showed me that our CEO cared. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things he has on his agenda, but he's spending time with me to understand where we are and the impact and where we need to be for the following year. Every since, uh, Every year since, I've had that same conversation with, with Giovanni. Um, I've been at board meetings, presenting the board members. I've been uh, in, at LT meetings. So I'm in the room where the magic happens, if you will, with, where folks that can create change and support the program are, and uh, happy to have our program as one of the big five BMS commitments, right? And I think that just shows the, the level of commitment uh, that this enterprise has to, to DNI or IND at this point, rather. I love that story, how you came in and then like almost like day one or day 90, you're already in front of the CEO presenting your project and experiences are. That's great to hear. And I know a lot of people are listening now, especially people of color or brothers and sisters are saying, okay, I want to work at Bristol-Myers Squibb, but it's a Bristol-Myers Squibb, a place that accepts me, my authentic self. It's a place that's for I and D. I guess in your experience, why is Bristol-Myers Group a place where people of color can come in and not only start their career, but really develop and achieve success? You know, I, I always say, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, the most grammatically correct individual. I'm not the, you know, speaking the Queen's English, you know, I'm a guy from the hood. <laughs> and a guy from the hood is able to thrive and be rubbing elbows with some of the best and brightest talent in all ranks in this enterprise. 
So I've been embraced my my color, and I'm not talking about the skin color, but my colorful outlook on life, mm. on how I like to drive my work and get things done, has been embraced. No one's asked me to tone it down, dial it back, you know, stay in my lane. I'm able to maneuver and expand our program. And I will say this, just as an example, I work closely with government affairs, corporate affairs, our PBRGs, NGOs outside, globally, um, with, with, with senior leaders in this enterprise that know my name, know the program. If that's not the definition of thriving in an environment, being a man of color, being a man of color from the hood, that's that, that again, is very colorful and animated. I don't know what else is, but I'm able to get, I'm able to maneuver in these circles because what I always say to people, we talk about, you know, our, our, you know, ethnic background, our color, et cetera. The one element of diversity that, that I think we often uh, leave out of the conversation or goes unspoken is where we come from. So between Queens, New York, Plainfield, and New, New Jersey, two parts of the hood, in my opinion, especially when I grew up there, mm-hmm. that shaped me to be who I am today. That's a dimension of diversity. And that is what allows me to thrive and speak the way I speak, be bold in the way I need to be bold, be aggressive where I need to be aggressive, but also take feedback when I need to take the feedback and be able to create change. I always, I'm here to be great because if I'm great, the communities that I need to impact thrive. If I'm at the top of my game, I can inspire others to do this good work, this purpose work, and that's more impact. So as long as I can, I'm, I'm empowered to do this work, then I know that we're going to be creating change and creating change for years to come. BMS is a place where you can be that authentic self and you can really be who you are and really make those impactful changes day one. So, Rondu, thank you for that background and thank you for telling your story and speaking about your passion. It's great to know more about you and uh, and to speak to you today. Listen, I, I appreciate the platform. I mean, obviously, you know, this is a great organization that embraces um, inclusion and diversity. There's a great group of colleagues we know that we have more to do. We know we have more um, to deliver for our patients and our communities and our colleagues, right? But these platforms are so important to tell the BMS story because there's talent that's outside of BMS that we want to recruit, but there's talent here, homegrown talent that we've had, and we need to make sure that they understand there's a pathway to ascension, to different roles, opportunities, and experiences that may pivot outside of your day job you know, volunteering where your passions are. BMS allows you to do that. And I think that is important for us to get across because it's one thing to check the box and come in to do the work that you are hired to do. But it's another dimension of empowerment when you're allowed to do the work that you want to do that's driving impact into the marginalized communities, communities that we've probably all grown up in and seen the struggle. So happy to be here, my friend. I appreciate you for having me. And uh, shout out to Bold for doing such something so great is allowing your, your colleagues to have this platform. Oh, thanks again, Rondu. I really appreciate it. And before we get off the podcast, we always like to ask our guests one last question before they leave. And that question is, what is one piece of advice, life or career, would you give to your past self, present self, and future self? Uh, past self, I would say um, be a little more optimistic. Uh, things got gloom, you know, in, in certain pockets and, and uh, it, it was a struggle and 
there were some dark times, but I think, you know, now where 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 I am, I think it's you know being more optimistic in in the outcomes and knowing that 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 better days would be ahead because there was times when <laughs> I didn't see where they were coming from, quite frankly. I would say, you know, in my in my career, um being authentic. Being from where I, I've 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 come from, you see people talk at you and not with you and for you. And that's because a lot of that is coming from a place of, of inauthenticity, right? They're not authentic into the mission. They're doing it for their own agenda um, and not necessarily for the helping hand or, or to help you get there. So I'm going to say being authentic. Being authentic for me has allowed me to be in these rooms, to inspire others, to build a trusted team of people that understand the vision and are willing to execute because they know that we're, it's coming from a place of the heart, purpose, work, and impact. So I would say being very authentic, which it's very easy to to kind of pivot from that when you are um, trying to come to work and do your job and just, you know, maybe some folks are staying under the radar and they want to just fit in and they lose that. But being authentic is really the advice that I would give. And that applies to personal life and absolutely professional life. Well, that's fantastic advice, Rondu. Thanks again so much for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to the Bold Innovators podcast. We look forward to speaking with you soon. Take care and have a bold tomorrow.